Hi, my name is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. I am uh, very excited to be uh, preaching today. Uh, Jimmy gave me an opportunity to preach about the greatest gift of love. The greatest gift of love. The, uh, Jimmy last week started a sermon series on the gifts of Christmas. He talked about joy last week, and throughout this, the sermon, he hinted at another gift, which is love. And today, I want to break that down and see how God gave us the greatest gift of love through Jesus Christ. It was January 21st, 2012. I would say it was one of the longest days of my life. My wife had woken up early that morning with her mom, and she was having contractions, and the baby was coming. At least I thought it was. The, the baby actually decided to take a little bit longer, so my wife said, hey, honey, I'm going to go to work. I was like, okay, you're going to work, and you're about to have a baby. And so I didn't say it. Actually, I thought it, and so she went to work anyways. And like a good, loving husband, I went right back to sleep. So she went to work that day, and she was at work until about 12. And then she came home, and uh, when she got home, the contractions were getting a little bit closer together. And so uh, we called the doctor, and the doctor said, hey, just you know, have her take a warm bath. If the contractions get worse, that she needs to come in. If they don't, then just hang out. I'm like, hang out? This is a baby coming. I mean, what do I do? I have no clue. They're like, it'll be fine. I'm like, okay. So she, she did that. The contractions got close together. And so we're like, hey, we're going to come in. We're going to go. So we get in the car. We're headed to the hospital. And my wife's like, hey, honey, can we stop and deposit a check? Which I was like, really? Absolutely not. This is our baby coming. And so <laughs> that's my wife, if you don't know. That's how she thinks. The world could be ending, but if we just don't have time to deposit a check, that's even worse. I mean, seriously. But we did not stop and deposit a check. We went straight to the hospital. And um, much of it was a blur. We had practiced many times on what to do. We got there. There was a lot of breathing. There was a lot of pain. There was a lot of waiting. And then finally, Elizabeth Grace Tuck came into this world. She breathed her first breath, and I fell in love. I remember later on that evening, um, there was a, a window seat in the, in the room, and I was laying there with, with her in my arms. And I looked at her, and I was just looking straight in her eyes. I was like, oh, I love you. I love you so much. And the funny thing is, you haven't done anything to earn it. I just love you. I love you so much I would sacrifice everything for you. You're my daughter. I've, all my life I'd, I'd dreamed up to that point about being a father. I remember, I remember my, my mentor's kids watching them and just seeing how they loved them and and I was so blessed that day that God gave me a daughter to, to love and to cherish. And um, my heart just fell in love with her. 
And then you had the next child that I fell in love with, the next and the next and the next. But that first child transitioning from not having a kid to having a child, you're like, wow, God, thank you for this. And thank you that I can, I can give my life to loving this individual. This is, this is a, a, a picture, I believe, of the sacrificial love that God has for us. And when Jesus talks about sacrificial love, I believe that this is what we need to think about. The love that I had for my daughter, no matter, I would do anything for her. And all she did was come into the world. Jesus says this in John 15, 12 through 13. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down their life for his friend. Now, my daughter wasn't my friend at the time, but I would lay down my life for her. This sacrificial love, this gift from Jesus. So as we move forward today and talk about the greatest gift of love, using Jesus' own words, I want to define what love is, what the greatest love is. The greatest love is one laying down their life for another. Laying down their life for another. Now, with this definition, I want to walk through Jesus' life and see the specifics of how he gave himself for us. Uh, Lou just read this a few minutes ago. John 3.16. For God so loved that he gave For God so loved that he gave, and he gave his son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus is the gift that God gave us to show us that he loved us. And I want to talk about three ways that Jesus gave himself as a gift for us. All right? So the first way he gave us himself is by coming as a child. He gave us himself by coming as a child. Now, when he came as a baby, he forever connected himself to humanity. Could you imagine that? Jesus today is still 100% God and 100% man. 100% God and 100% man. The choice that he made was eternal. Paul writes about the nature of Jesus to the church of Philippi. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, I had one question when I read through this. When Paul wrote that Jesus emptied himself, what did he actually empty himself of? I actually, I think he emptied himself of two, two things. It could be more, but two specifics that I'm going to point out. A, I think he emptied himself of his authority. He emptied himself of his authority. 
Now, Jesus actually gives some insight to this in John 5, 30, where he says, I do nothing of my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus is saying that he does not have the authority to judge things for himself. It is only by the Father that he judges. Now, although God did give him authority, the authority he had wasn't, I don't believe, was automatic. All throughout Jesus' life, he humbled himself to do the Father's will. Unlike Adam, who decided that his will was better than God's, Jesus decided that God's will was better than his own fleshly will. Now, the second thing that he emptied of himself was his power. He emptied himself of his power. And what I mean by this is that Jesus worked by the Spirit instead of his own power. And I think there are two reasons he did this. Um, First is that Jesus was the example for us to follow. So why would he say, follow me, and then give us the example that we cannot live up to? It would make more sense that Jesus was being led by the Spirit in all that he did as an example for us to do the same. So when he did miracles, I believe that the Spirit was working through Jesus and not Jesus in his own power. The second is, Jesus was anointed like those in the Old Testament by the Spirit. It was by this anointing that he did all his wondrous miracles. Luke 4, 16 through 19 says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Unrolling a scroll, not flipping to a book. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and receiving of, of sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When Jesus emptied himself of the power to do these things, he was letting God, by the Spirit, be the one to give him the strength, the power, and the authority to do all the things that he was sent to do. He was being the perfect example to emulate. We as humans need all the help we can get. Instead of God just telling us what to do, Jesus came as a baby to show us how to truly love the Father. This very act of coming to earth was love. He laid down his life to come as a baby and forever join himself with humanity because he loved us and did not want us to stay in darkness. And this is Jesus's and God's desire from the very beginning. God took Abraham, created a nation out of him, and talked to him, gave him instructions, gave him understanding. And he tried as hard as he could to explain his love for him. And Israel kept on rejecting, rejecting, and rejecting. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to make it as simple as possible. I'm going to come down as a child. And I'm going to live. And so you can see it. So you can see it with your very eyes. And that's the gift that God gave us through Jesus Christ. The second way he gave himself was by refusing to act independently from the Father. He was refusing to act independently from the Father. 
And we see glimpses of this through a few passages. Um, the story of when Jesus took a trip to Jerusalem for the Passover with his family. After the Passover, his family left and headed back. After a day, of, they realized that Jesus was gone, so they went back to Jerusalem to find Jesus sitting in the temple. And he was with the teachers, talking with them, probably teaching them too. And when he, they asked him what he's doing there, he said, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Jesus could have gone back with his parents. He could have decided that it would be, it would be okay to, to do that. But instead, he decided to stay with his father. I don't know if his father told him specifically to do this or he understood from the scriptures that he should do this. But either way, here we see Jesus' desire to follow the father's will. Even as letting his parents go on and, and him staying behind. A clear example of this um, about Jesus following the Father's will is in John 12, 49, when he says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given himself, uh, uh, who sent me has himself given me a commandment what to say and what to speak. Jesus says that even the words that he speaks, the very words that he speaks, are commanded by the Father. Could you imagine everywhere you go, everything that you said was commanded by the Father and you said it. Talk about giving up your will. Every tiny word that you said. And I have uh, one last example. Luke twenty-two forty-two. When Jesus was in the garden praying right before he was to be arrested, he said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And here we have Jesus about to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world. And so from Luke's account, it actually seems that Jesus had a will that could have been contrary to the will of the Father. Jesus could have gotten up and walked away from this as, you know what, I'm fine. I can't do this. And this is very important to understand. We need to see that Jesus had the ability to do his own will. He could have made his own choice apart from the Father's will, but he did not. Jesus decided that he would define love by the way that he sacrificed his own will to do the Father's will. Jesus gave himself by refusing to act independently from God. And Jesus did the Father's will, and he became the perfect sacrifice for us on the cross. I'm so thankful he did that. Because without him, we would have no hope. And which leads me to the, the third way that Jesus gave himself. <clears throat> he gave himself by sacrificing his life for the Father. He gave himself by sacrificing his life for the Father. Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself, and becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is the love that most iconically comes to mind when we think about the love of Jesus. The pinnacle of the Father's plan was played out in the complete sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. When Jesus died, he showed himself faithful to the Father all the way to the end. He trusted the Father above all else. Through the gift of Jesus, a way was made for us to know the creator of the universe and to experience 
true love. Jesus was obeying the Father, but the results of his obedience was for us. Paul writes in Romans, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Jesus died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person, one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Here, Paul points out that Jesus did all that he did for those who were ungodly. That's us. Just like that child that had done nothing and I would sacrifice everything. Imagine (laughs) us, people that were ungodly, not seeking after him, not not even of his own. He, He died for us. By Jesus giving himself on the cross, he defined the greatest love for us. I had love for my daughter, but I don't know if I could love someone that hated me all the time. Jesus did. Jesus did. Now, since Jesus revealed to us the truth of what love is, how should we respond? Because we can look at the scriptures, but how do we actually apply this to our lives? And I think um, one thing we can do is respond in love. We can respond in love. And I want to suggest three ways <clears throat> that we can do this. The first is we can love the Father by obeying his commands. Love the Father by obeying his commands. John writes in 1 John 5, 1 to 3. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. We love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments aren't burdensome. I can preach, right? If you're ever wondering if you are loving God, ask yourself, am I obeying his commandments? Does this mean that we need to completely follow the Torah? Every single, was it 613 rules? I don't think that Paul is, uh, John is saying that. I, I think he's actually saying, look at Jesus' life. Jesus did it. Emulate him. Listen to the Spirit. Because what the Spirit does, he takes the law and he helps us understand it and how to actually apply it how it should be applied. The Spirit walks with us. The Spirit leads us, loves us, and guides us. So, give some examples. When you have a fight with your wife, And the Spirit leads us to reconcile and come back together as one. Ephesians 4.26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. That's one way. Letting the Spirit lead you to reconciliation. When you're on your computer late at night or on your phone, and a temptation to look at something you shouldn't creeps in, the Spirit will lead you to turn off your computer or phone. 1 John 2, 16 through 17, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. 
When your coworker is driving you insane and you have no more patience, the Spirit reminds you that we should continue to have kindness, love, and patience toward them. 1 Corinthians 13.4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. And these are just a few of the many ways that we can be obedient to God's command instead of our desires. And so through our obedience to the Father, we show that we have received God's love. The second way we love the Father is by laying down our lives for one another. John says in 1 John 3, 16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet chooses to close his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us love not in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. John is saying that we don't love just by saying, I love you. We actually love by action, by action. And even coming up here today, thinking about love and how I'm going to talk about love, I can just think of all the times that I've told people in this room that I love them. But the moment I walk away, I'm like, what have I done to love them lately? What have I done to love them lately? Those were just words. It was a conviction of my own heart. I was like, wow, God, help me. Help me to turn my words of I love you to action. Because they don't mean anything to anyone unless there's action behind it. Kurt Bennett, the author of Love Like Jesus, pointed out that Jesus didn't say I love you a single time in the Gospels. He took this to heart and thought, what would happen if I took the words I love you out of my vocabulary? He says, it turned out that removing I love you from my vocabulary was one of the most powerful practices I've ever implemented. As an author who works at home, most of my time is spent with my wife, Kathy. And I love her. I mean, I'm crazy about her. But that week, I was under the self-imposed vow of silence when it came to saying the words, I love you. So what happened was this pressure very quickly built until I was almost bursting inside to find a way to express my love for Kathy. Not saying I love you was like putting a cork in the, empty, in the bottle of a bubbling emotion inside of my body. And suddenly, I just had to find a way to communicate that love to my wife and how much I loved her. So, he said, I acted. I acted because what else can I do but act? I express my love through acts of service, nothing major, but small gestures during the course of the week. I clean the kitchen. I cleaned the garage. I did some yard work. And when he said that, I was like, that's what a normal husband does, but you never do that? (laughs) He said, I bought Kathy some flowers, and the result was in my quest to love like Jesus. He said, that was one of the best weeks of my life. Now, I'm not saying that we never say, I love you, to express love. But we need to be careful to express our love for others in tangible ways. When we lay down our lives and spend it on others, we are reflecting Jesus' love for them. And when we truly love like Jesus, we give of our time. We give of our energy. 
We give of our brain power. We give of our working hands. We give of our prayers. We give of our finances. Let us love in action just like God gave his son. Let us love in action, not just words. The last way we love, we love the Father, is by the strength of his love. We love the Father by the strength of his love. John says in 1 John 4, 16, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is my life first. And the reason being is because I am easily swayed to do things out of my own strength. It is us as humans, we have a propensity to try to do things on our own. But if we are going to respond to God's love for us, we can't do it on our own strength. Life is very difficult, and there is none of strength in our bodies to always love. And the more we spend time with God, the more strength we'll have to love as he loved us. Our reliance is only going to grow the more we spend time with him. Every morning we wake up, our days should start in prayer to God. And every day we live, we should be reading and studying his word so that we know him. We know him. We know what love is. And the more we see how good he is, the more we can trust and rely on him. And in this reliance of of the Father's love, there is freedom for us to be genuine in our love. There is freedom to be genuine in our love. Because we're not dependent upon someone else's love for us, for us to continue to love them. We're dependent upon God's love. And that never runs out. Let us know and rely on the love of the Father at all times. Now, I want to end with uh, one last story. This is the story of when Abraham was asked by God to sacrifice Isaac. And this is very significant because this is the first time that the word love is actually used in the Bible, which is also cool because later on, it's the first time the word worship is used in the Bible too, in this one passage. Uh, So let's read this together. Go to Genesis 22, verse 1. I'm reading from the ESV. Genesis 22, verse 1, going through verse 5. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains from which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of, from which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from afar. And then Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the, with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. This is a beautiful picture of what God desires us to do. Abraham is given a commandment to sacrifice his son. And when God asked him to do this, God knows what he is asking. He knows the love that Abraham has for his son. 
He even uses this as a moment to define love because it's the first time used in the Bible. And even though Abraham loved his son, he chose to love God even more. Just like Jesus sacrificed everything by emptying himself and coming as a child, by denying himself, by being obedient to the Father, and by sacrificing his life on the cross, we too need to sacrifice our lives because of his gift of love for us. Maybe you're here and you want to love Jesus because he loves you so much, but you can't. You can't because you're holding on to something. You, you have something in your life that you love more than the Father. Today, the Father is asking you to trust him, to let go. Let go of the thing that you love. He's saying, just as Jesus sacrificed everything and was given eternal life, God is saying, trust me. Sacrifice everything so that you may fully experience the gift of love through Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check us out on YouTube and Facebook to get to know us and see what God is doing here in Surrey. Be blessed. Be blessed.